Are you ready to be inspired, challenged, and strengthened in your faith walk? Are you ready to get breakthrough from those old cycles and thought patterns that you just can't seem to get freedom from? Then you've come to the right place. You are going to get freedom, you are going to get breakthrough, and you are going to get healing because that's the life that Jesus paid for. This podcast is not just talk. We're going to live it. I want to personally welcome you to my little podcast corner. My name is Jillian Ahonen, and I am so excited for what God's going to do through our time together today. Whether you're driving in traffic to work, out on a morning run, or sipping your coffee in a comfy chair, let's get our hearts ready for today's word. Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Not Just Talk. I pray your week is going well. My kids and I all unanimously decided that we are not ready to go back to school. For those of you who don't know, over two years ago, um, pulled all of my kids out and we've been doing a Christian online school. So I'm kind of like the school director. I make sure everybody is staying on pace and getting their school done, answering any questions, making sure they have everything that they need. And I'm still pretty hands-on with my fourth grader. So anyway, we decided that we are going to extend our summer and we don't get back to school until September 12th. So we're just kind of soaking it up, taking some beach days and pool days because we didn't really get to do that much this summer. Most everybody that I know, at least out here in the United States, they are back in full swing doing the structure and order, and we are just not there yet. (laughs) So anyway, that's what's going on over here. I want to share something with you today that is really heavy on my heart, and I've got some stories to share too, some actual personal testimonies of real recent experiences. I know I talk a lot about shining and being lights to the world. We're not just called to shine in church. He wants us to shine wherever he plants us, in our workplace, in our city, as we go about our day, in our neighborhoods. And I'm not just talking about when it's easy. I'm talking about when it's hard and people are difficult. I also want to talk about what I have personally witnessed over the years, and I'm sure I've mentioned these things before, but it's worth repeating. I've witnessed on a regular basis a a church culture that is emotionally reactive and ready to cut people off that trigger a strong emotion all the time. We're taught that we're supposed to be lights to the world, but then on the other end of it, it's almost like we're subconsciously embracing this idea that we're allowed to justify, rationalize, and reason our emotional responses to situations, and we give ourselves permission to really be messy, and we're killing our witness everywhere we go. Jesus said to take up our cross and follow him. The life he lived was a sacrificial one, and his words to us are written very, very clearly. Honestly, we have to stop lessening God's standard of living because we get provoked or mistreated and really wholeheartedly try to find opportunities to shift the direction of situations that arise when life doesn't go our way. We actually have to be intentional and look for an opportunity. Like, here I am in a situation. How can I shift this to glorify God. What does that look like? I could give so many examples, but I'm going to focus this message on my personal experiences in my neighborhood. I want to talk about what God has been doing in me and also through me right here in my community, because I feel like it is going to be something that is going to speak to so many. I am one of those people where I am very intentional with building relationships with my neighbors. I know a lot of people are really busy and they don't really have time. 
I've spent the last 20 plus years in different neighborhoods and different communities from apartment complexes to gated communities, condos. I've lived in different states. I've lived in a different country and I have learned the value and how beautiful it is to take my faith to my neighborhood without being a Bible thumper. I think a lot of times we have this idea of being a light into our community has to look like we're being preachy. And my neighbors know who I am. Uh, Most of them follow me on social media, so they see a lot of my posts and a lot of my words of encouragement. I really have a passion to share what God has shown me, what he's teaching me, what I've learned, and the ways that I can encourage anybody who wants to listen. And so my neighbors follow me, and I follow them, and we post about our kids and things like that. And so they know who I am without me having to have much of a conversation. I'm very clearly uh, set the standard of, I am a believer. This is the way I live. This is what my life looks like. I don't want to be that person that just posts God posts on social media. I want to make sure I'm living it to the point that they actually see a difference in me, that they go, wow, she is who she says she is. It's not just the face that she puts on social media. We have built a community over here. We've joined forces. Our kids play together. They hang out together. We've lived here for over 10 years now. And through that, it has not been easy. We are all different, okay? We've got some Christians in my neighborhood, atheists, Mormon, Catholic, some I don't even know. (laughs) But we work together in this community and we've dealt with a lot of messes, especially with the kids. I mean, the fruit of what a lot of people see in our neighborhood and these kids that will run around up until 9, 9.30 at night playing tag and football and hide and go seek in the middle of the neighborhood. And we're talking currently ages five all the way up to Sometimes 17 and 18 years old will be out there together. So that's kind of the span of ages. And in order to accomplish this, we had to work together. We had to teach our kids how to get along, how to forgive, and things like that. And I don't always have the full participation from every family. So realize that this isn't always because we are always on board and we're always a team. Sometimes I've had to just pull my boys aside because mostly it's boy, my boys in this season. Every once in a while, my oldest kids will join if they're hanging out. But right now it's just my two youngest for the most part. And I can't tell you how many times I've had to pull them aside and talk about what it looks like to turn the other cheek, to be forgiving, to not be reactive and to really go to the word of God and hold my kids accountable. What does this look like? How can we look at this situation that you've experienced where it is an unjust situation? I don't want my boys to walk in bitterness and resentment and be like, well, fine, and cut them off. There is a very healthy way to set healthy boundaries, live within a community, and still be a light without having to cut people off. And that's what I really work hard to teach my kids. And I'm telling you, they are learning what it looks like to walk in mercy and forgiveness and to get back out and to try again and bless those who curse them and love their enemies. And I'm not saying the neighborhood kids are their enemies. I'm not saying that at all, but you can look at it where sometimes it just feels like when we're rubbed wrong, our natural human response is like, they're the enemy. (laughs) And so anyway, my kids are having to learn what this looks like because I am equipping my kids for the real world to be lights wherever they go once they leave my house. 
we are called as parents to use every opportunity to teach them. And I think a lot of times, it's kind of a side note, but I think a lot of times as Christians, we tend to want to bubble wrap our kids. It's funny. I'm sitting here. I'll have to post a video of where I record my podcast because you guys would all laugh. This is hilarious. I actually record it in my closet underneath my stairwell. I think I've talked about that before. And I'm literally looking at bubble wrap right now because this is also my shipping room. I've got my books. I've got the mugs. I've got the packaging and things like that. And so I'm looking at bubble wrap as I say that. So anyway, just wanted to give you a little visual. I think it's funny, (laughs) but I think a lot of times as Christians, you know, we want to protect our kids from getting hurt. We want to protect them from the evil, from the world, from people who think differently, live differently, believe differently. We were so afraid that they're going to be exposed. And I will tell you, As a mom who had my kids in the public school system for over 20 years before I even pulled my last three out for totally different reasons, maybe one day I'll share, but I don't want to take too much time on that. But as a mom who has had children in the public school system for the length of time that I have, my kids are overexposed. My kids have been exposed to things that I would never want them to learn about, to witness, to observe. My my youngest, and I'll tell you it got worse as I had more children. So my older two, I didn't have to deal with some of the stuff that I dealt with with my youngest until we got into middle school. Well, with my youngest, he comes home from kindergarten. He goes, Mom, I learned what the middle finger means. I'm like, oh, gosh, can I just protect them? I mean, I had them in a Christian private school for the first two years. So it's like, you know, preschool and I'm going, oh, my gosh. And I've had to really be slow and navigate each thing as it comes. You know, talk about it. It's a naughty word. We're not going to say that word. You never hear mommy and daddy say that word in our house. Your siblings are not allowed to say that word in this house or outside of the house. We don't use that. We Whether we're angry, it doesn't matter whether somebody makes it seem like that's the cool thing to do. It doesn't honor the Lord. And so here I am teaching a five-year-old that we're not going to use our middle finger. I'm sorry that that little boy at school told you what it means. That makes my heart very sad. It's not okay. And I've had to vid each very overwhelming situation. There was even a time in my neighborhood where I had to deal with a situation from an older kid, because I, like I said, older kids hang out with these little kids, and and it was a really bad situation, and he said some disgusting things to my youngest son, and we got absolutely no support from the mom, and it was very, very challenging, um, but God helped us navigate it and work it out, and we got to set a healthy boundary with that older boy. And I will tell you, because we continue to love him and we continue, because he, he comes up to our neighborhood. He hangs out. It is what it is. I can't control everybody who comes up and wants to play in our awesome cul-de-sac because I think it's awesome. And most of the families that live here think it's awesome. <laughs> so I can't control it all, you know, and I'm not going to lock my kids away and tell them they can't go outside and play because of the one kid. I'm going to teach them what this is going to look like. And I did have to pull this uh, kid aside and talk to him and actually had another mom that came alongside of me and we had a little pep talk and we're like, look, we're family here. We're neighbors. We stick out for one another. We don't bring this stuff to each other. We don't talk that way to each other. This is going to be 
the area and the neighborhood where the kids get to be built up. There's no bullying. There's no inappropriate conversation. And it turned out to be a really beautiful thing. And this kid actually moved out of the neighborhood, but he comes back to visit on it on occasion. And it's been, it's been good. It's been really positive, but it took work and it took perseverance and it took me deciding that I am not going to retreat I do believe this is my mission field. I believe that I am training warriors for the kingdom of heaven, and my kids are going to have to learn this at some point. Well, guess what? This is where God planted us, so we're going to learn it now. So that's kind of what goes on in my neighborhood. It's not been easy. I'm definitely not an emotionally reactive person, but if you push me and you mess with my kid, I have a tendency to be emotional and reactive. And I will tell you, dealing with the situations in my neighborhood, not just with kids, with adults too, and I'm going to share those, I have become so much less reactive. I think a lot of times when we're not reactive in unjust situations, we feel like we're going to lose. We feel like we're going to be taken advantage of and things like that. But there is a healthy and an appropriate way to address these very hard, unjust situations honor the Lord, obey him. And I actually don't feel like I'm under any situation. I actually feel very empowered. I feel free. I feel at peace and I'm able to just thoroughly love. And I'm, I'm not, I'm not making this up genuinely with my whole heart, love people who are very, very hard to love. I genuinely desire to honor the Lord in all that I do, and I've learned that in order to do so, I have to crucify the flesh that wants to react back, even in unjust situations. I had this couple move into my neighborhood, and we were already full swing into our kids play community. Kids get out, they play. They'll be out doing chalk in the middle of the street, tag, hide-and-go-seek, football. They'll pull out the basketball hoop. We have one parent that will come out, and he skates. The dad does, and he's skated for years, and he'll pull the ramps and the um, the box out, and he'll do tricks, and the kids will come out and join on their scooters and skateboards. So We have established this community over the years, and right smack in the middle of it, we have this older couple move in to the cul-de-sac, and they don't like kids. It became very evident very fast. I have to tell you, my very first interaction when this couple moved in, my kids were outside, my youngest was still in his diapers at this point, my oldest son my middle son, my youngest daughter, and my baby were outside. I don't know if there were neighborhood kids at this point. They were kind of in front of our house in the middle of the street. And I see the new neighbor outside talking to my oldest son. I'm like, wow, okay, cool. I got to go outside and meet the neighbor. You know, obviously that's that's good, right? You see the new neighbor talking to your kids. You should go introduce yourself. So I go outside and I'm like, hi. Hey, this is not a happy situation. I realized it real fast. Colson is hiding behind Caleb and the man is yelling at my son. Yeah, Mama Bear was ready right at that point. But I'm like, okay, slow down. Let's not be so reactive. Let's let's figure this out. So what happened was my innocent, sweet little baby in diapers, getting pants on him was pointless if we're not going anywhere. So 90% of his toddler life was in diaper and a t-shirt because that's as far as we got unless 
we had to leave the house. And I was like, all right, this battle, like, I'm sorry, you can't go to church pantless. You know, you got to draw the line somewhere. So typical, he's outside in his diaper with his little t-shirt on and he has an arm. I just have to tell you right up front, this kid has an arm. Before he was two years old, he broke three TVs. Okay. Just chucked a sippy cup, shattered the TV. I think one time it was a plastic golf club. The dude has an arm. He's always had an arm. And so none of these things really shock me. And so what happened was, is he was across the street. So across the street from my house backs this new neighbor who lives in the cul-de-sac. Not sure if you can picture this, but there's a wall. And between the wall of his backyard, there's a little strip of dirt and then the sidewalk. And then across the street is my house. So my sweet little toddler likes to go across the street and play in the dirt. Obviously, he's allowed to do this when it's safe and his siblings are, I, are right there and he's not off by himself in the middle of the street. I promise he's safe. But he found rocks and he was trying to hit those ugly, you know, those ugly cypress trees. My husband calls them Grinch fingers. I don't know why people even plant them. Sorry if you have them all over your property. I'm not a fan, but either way. So my son was picking up rocks and throwing it at the cypress tree and he missed and it went over the wall and almost broke their window. So that's what set my neighbor, my new neighbor off. He's like, Somebody was throwing rocks into my backyard and almost broke my window. And I was like, oh my gosh, I am so sorry. Did, did it break? He goes, no, but it could have. And I was like, oh gosh, yeah, it could have. Thank you so much. And he's just, he's, he's agitated. He's mad. He's very defensive. And I'm going, okay, uh, stay calm. Wife pops up over the fence or over the wall. She's leaning there. Husband turns to her and says, yeah, the older one is trying to convince me that it was the baby who was throwing the rocks. And I'm like, okay, all right. Yeah, actually, um, it probably was because my older two boys are way beyond that age. And honestly, they weren't even destructive. I, my older two boys were not your typical destructive boys. My third one, oh my gosh. Yep. Typical boy. So I wasn't even concerned about my older two boys. I'm like, yeah, no, it definitely wasn't my older two boys. That's not even in line with their character. It was a hundred percent my two-year-old. And, uh, he's just looking at me like, yeah, right. You liar. And so is the wife. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then, uh, and the wife was like, um, your son comes over here and plays in the dirt and cats pee in this dirt. And I was like, well, thank God for washing machines and showers, right? You know, trying to lighten the mood here a little bit. Yeah, that didn't go over well at all. So it was very clear we're hated. And within a few days, I didn't realize that it was their property, that little strip of dirt. Because again, it was on the other side of their wall. So who knows? I don't know. I guess I just don't know property lines. But within a few days, he had put up one of those small little wire fences, I mean, maybe a foot tall, around the dirt, and then a bunch of keep out signs, as if my two-year-old can read that. But that's okay. That was his choice. He was allowed to do that. Let me just tell you, I, I wasn't being very Christian then. I was being kind, but it was more like the, I'm going to be nice to your face because I'm a Christian kind of a attitude. And behind the scene, I'm going to be a brat. So yeah, I was, I'm not going to lie. I'm going to be totally honest with you. This was before God corrected me and he did. And I'll tell you what I learned. But up until that point, 
I was scheming and planning and believing that I was going to make their life miserable for making my life miserable and they were going to leave my neighborhood. And I will tell you, the war came so fast and so thick with this guy. It was so clear that he absolutely hated children. He was making their life miserable. He was making them cry. They would be outside working really hard, building a chalk track in the cul-de-sac so they can ride their scooters and bikes in their little track. And it'd be a hot summer day, so they'd go in to get a drink and come outside to him scrubbing it away with a hose and a broom and literally removing two hours of their hard work. He would yell at them, tell them they're being too loud, wouldn't talk to any of the adults. It was, it, I'm not exaggerating. It was bad and it was traumatic for the kids and mama bear was on the defense. And, you know, we had a group text going, we're all trying to figure out how to get rid of this couple. And I even had a conversation with him where I'm like, You moved into a neighborhood, a family neighborhood in a cul-de-sac around the corner from a park in a elementary school. You made a bad decision because you cannot control these kids. You cannot control what goes on into a neighborhood. You picked the wrong neighborhood. You should have picked a retirement community. I mean, I literally said that to him one day. There was also one time where I was telling all the neighbors, I'm like, ooh, I know, we can go sit on his corner with a bunch of popsicles and all the kids can come over and we can give him popsicles because he lived on the corner of the cul-de-sac. And it's like, well, it's private, you know, it's public property. You can't, you can't fault me. I'm not on your property and, you know, have a popsicle party. And, and then one time I parked my Suburban across the street. I forget the reason why I needed to, but I parked the Suburban. You know how when you have the key fobs and you lock the Suburban or you lock your car and it does the beep beep. Well, I thought it was really funny if I just kept locking it because I knew it was right outside of his living room window where he was trying to watch TV and I kept locking it. It's all beep, 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 beep. I did a lot and I was laughing and I thought it was hilarious and the Holy Spirit stopped me. Luke 6, 27 through 28. But to you who are willing to listen, stop right there. To you who are willing to listen. I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. And it was not an easy thing to hear because I think it was three years up until that point where my kids have been yelled at. The neighborhood kids have been yelled at. We've tried to interact with them. We've tried to tell them that he can't do that with kids. He goes out and he wipes away their hard work. I want to say three years of it just feeling like a constant, never-ending battle of these people who moved into our cul-de-sac that was completely changing the dynamic of our situation. We have other older couples that live in our neighborhood, and they adore the kids. They actually have told me over the years, we love listening to the kids play outside. It reminds us when our kids are little. So this couple moving in was very, very, very frustrating. And I, have, I haven't I have even tapped in and listed all the things that he did and how many negative encounters we had with mostly the husband. When the Holy Spirit brought that to mind, I'm like, what am I doing? I am so not behaving like your child. <laughs> 
I'm behaving no different than the world. And this situation is an attack against my children. It feels very unjust. It feels very frustrating. I feel like I have no voice. I feel like I have no control. I feel like I have no say. This man is coming in and taking away the peace in the neighborhood. And it's very, very, very frustrating. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to us, we do have a choice. And I chose to yield to the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to really honor myself, honestly, honor myself as a believer, honor the Holy Spirit inside of me. I wanted to glorify God. And I wanted to find ways to shift this terrible situation. And it started where I would see them leaving the house and I would smile and wave. And I didn't do it from that snarky place that I was in before. I did it from like, no, Lord, I'm sorry. I'm listening. I'm yielding to you. I haven't been a light. I've secretly been being a brat. I am a terrible example to my children right now that I've worked so hard to teach and equip in this area. And so help me, Lord. And so I started smiling and waving and you know, just finding those little opportunities and making sure my kids were smiling and waving and not participating in the bad attitude conversations anymore, just really bowing out, not feeding any more of that. And um, every year I make Christmas tins for all of my neighbors, you know, where you bake goods and things like that. And as I was doing it, I was getting my list of all the neighbors that I am in relationship with and then in any new ones that the Holy Spirit has highlighted to me to make sure because you know you got to put a cap I mean I, I can't do 150 <laughs> so I have my list and the Holy Spirit was like give one to that couple and I was like oh man this is a whole new level here you know because now I'm, I'm having me and my children do something out of real love and sacrifice and so we did we made a tin and this tin was the turnaround. It really, really, truly was. We made sugar cookies, decorated them with frosting. I don't even remember what we made that year. Probably three or four different things. Kid desserts, your typical kid desserts, you know. My kids go, they knock on the door, they give it to them. And within two hours, we get a knock on our door. And it's the wife. And I'm like, oh. I opened the door, I was like, Hi. And she hands me a Christmas plate that is the most beautiful Christmas plate I have ever seen. This woman can bake. Wow. Like, what a treat. I mean, everything was just so unique and over the top and so tasty. You know, you're not always going to have this kind of turnaround. And it, and it didn't change everything right away. I still had many more interactions with the husband, but I was different. And so I was coming at it differently. And one time I actually made a point, I saw him outside in his yard. And so every time I saw him outside in his yard, I made an intentional point to interact, not just hi, but more like, how are you? How are you doing? What's going on? Especially during the shutdown. And I'm like, hey, you know, I haven't seen you guys in a while. I just want to check in. Are you guys okay over there? Can I get you anything when we go to the store? Just trying to be the love of Jesus, the hands and feet of Jesus. About two years ago, um, maybe, you know what? No, I say it was about a year ago. That doesn't really matter. <laughs> there was a situation where he was outside in his yard and I was in the middle of the cul-de-sac with the kids and hanging out. And I was like, Hey, how are you? And I walked toward him and he walked toward me and I, and I just, I started asking him questions and I got to know a little bit of a story. He started opening up and I learned that he never had kids and his only real interaction with kids was through an ex-girlfriend 
And he moved that girlfriend and her kids into his house, and they were very disrespectful, and they were very destructive in the house, and he wasn't allowed to say anything to them. If he did say something to them, they would scream and yell at him, say, you're not my dad, slam the door, then the girlfriend would come home. They would, they would tell their mom what he told was, we can't do this and, you know, whatever. And so then she's like, you can't talk to my kids. You know, you're, you're not the father. And it just, it was a nightmare to him because here he was trying to build a relationship with a single mom, but he wasn't allowed to have a role in his own home. And I just started to feel like, oh gosh, only interaction with children was mom doesn't respect you, kids don't respect you, and you don't have a voice. And I started to really understand why we were all experiencing what we had and what we still on some level were experiencing from him. Like I said, I changed and I saw subtle changes from them, but it wasn't like, like, oh, wow, they're different neighbors. They're like the cool grandma and grandpa in the neighborhood. Not, not yet. I'm believing one day. But it really helped me understand And again, it's like, you know, gosh, we should know better, right? We got to stop judging people based on our encounters with them and go, gosh, I think there's hurt behind that. We're, We're supposed to be the ones that take the higher road that realize that what we're experiencing from that messy person who doesn't know God probably has some hurt and we need to walk in forgiveness and really implement the things that the Lord has taught us through his word. The more I started crucifying my flesh, honestly, and living by the spirit and honoring God and glorifying God and seeing him through my father's eyes, I developed the love for them. One day the wife had to come over to my house because we live in an HOA neighborhood and you can't just do what you want. You have to have neighbor's permission and they were going to do some upgrading in there side yard. They got rid of the Grinch trees, (laughs) the cypress trees. And she came over shaking, asking me if I could sign what they wanted to do. And it just made me sad. I knew what was behind that is they have been so ridiculous. She's at my mercy at this point. And I smiled and I invited her in and I said, wow, that's exciting. That's going to look so good. And I signed it happily. And, And then all of a sudden the next week I got this incredible homemade bread. It's been a journey and it's not been a perfect one. But it is a perfect example of what happens when we yield to the Holy Spirit and when we're willing to listen to what God says and apply his principles and bless those who curse us and love our enemies. When I was feeding my negativity, when I was feeding the hatred and all those emotions and I was living reactive, I was taking myself out of peace. I was magnifying the situation instead of magnifying the Holy Spirit in me. This situation has literally taught me so much and I have learned what it looks like to live in a very challenging situation with a supernatural joy and a supernatural peace in a new way. I had never experienced that kind of intense situation from a neighbor before. I've been in many intense situations and I learned and I grew, but this one I felt blindsided. This one I felt smacked in my face and I really had a lot of learning and growing to do and I'm watching the fruit. You see a lot of people, they want the harvest, they want the change, but they don't want to do the hard work. But when we do the hard work and we honor God and when we choose his will over our own, there is a harvest and it is worth it. And I'm watching the change. I am building a bridge with this couple and I'm watching the bitterness and the anger. Can I just tell you, it's incredible. This couple that moved in that had a very 
They just had a mad look on their face all the time. Their demeanor is changing. I see this husband literally smiling all the time now. And before he had that like disgruntled, like meh look on his face all the time. His countenance has changed. I don't think they know Jesus yet, but they're meeting him through me. And it's making a difference. It really is. Back to what I was saying, when you feed hatred and negativity and all those emotions and you live reactive, but when you choose to feed uh, the spirit and not the flesh, I literally am living in a freedom. I don't have a bitter or hating bone in my body. I stopped feeding all those negative emotions and deciding how I was going to react back, spending time mulling over how I was going to make them miserable for making me miserable. And I only became miserable myself in my own prison and it just wasn't worth it. It doesn't feel good in the moment, but when you start pushing in and you realize it's far better to bless than to curse and the blessing falls on you, you'll realize the way you were doing it before was not worth it. You think fighting your own way is going to make you happy, but the truth is, is when you live this way, you become a product of your circumstances and you're only good when life around you is good. That means you're under the control of your out of control circumstances. And that's how we become victims to life. And if we're victims to life, we can't even comprehend what it means to live victoriously through Christ. We need to get this. This is not only a call to the church to be a light in the dark, but it's a way to radical spiritual freedom. Another encounter I had was a situation with landscape design. We bought this house seven years ago, maybe a little bit longer, and we wanted to take our back wood fence and put a wrought iron fence there because we have this incredible view that overlooks the valley and our wood fence cuts it off. We can't see it until we go to our deck up top and we really wanted to open that up. And we had new neighbors move in and they're awesome. Seriously, we love them. We love them from the minute we met them. Um, family with four kids. And one of the things through casual conversation right away, I said to him, I said, Hey, look, you know, we share that fence line up there. And one day we'd like to put rod iron in there. How do you feel about that? And he's like, Oh yeah, go for it. Do it. And that'd be awesome. You know, we're, we're totally fine with that. And so all these years I was waiting for us to be in a financial position and mostly for our wood fence to be rotten and need to be removed to, do the wrought iron vision that we had since we bought this house. And we were up at the time. It was time. The fence is falling apart. It needs to be replaced. And we're like, all right, it's time. So I shoot them a text and I'm ready for the green light. Cause like I said, you have to go through the HOA here and you have to have approval. We share the fence. That's fair. And his response back literally was, I, I was shocked. He said, I'm sorry. I realized that we said yes in the beginning, and I, I really, really feel terrible for doing this. We love you guys so much, but if you have the wrought iron fence, then it's going to look really bad from our backyard because the sides of their backyard is all wood. Unfortunately, their backyard and the way it's positioned, they literally share a fence line with six different houses. Sounds super weird, and it probably doesn't make sense to what you're envisioning, but if you saw the layout, you'd be like, oh, okay, I see that. And all of a sudden, there would just be one spot along the side of wrought iron. He goes, that that would drive us crazy. It wouldn't look good and resale value and all those things. And I was so hurt and so angry. And I was going down those mind wars of like, this feels unfair. Again, here I am in another spot because we've had other 
situations where I'm like, I have no voice. I can't do what I want. I've got one neighbor where their vines are pulling down the fence and the other. I've got another neighbor where their palm trees are hanging over my fence and dropping seeds in the backyard. I can't even do what I want to do. I can't plant trees in my backyard because it's going to interrupt the other trees in the other yard. And I'm just going off. Every time I want to do something, I get told no because somebody else says no and this is my bed. You know, I am just in my mind, just, I am so mad. I am so hurt, especially because I thought we already had this agreement. And now that we actually can do it, he's saying no. And I'm like, this is so unfair. And I realize, like, hey, I live in an HOA and you could be like, well, that's why I don't live with an HOA and blah, blah, blah. You know what? Fair and true. But this is where I feel like God planted our family. And like I said, this is our mission field. And one day maybe we'll live in property or not have an HOA. But right now we fully, fully believe this is where God has us, which means we need to grow. We need to grow. And this is our mission field. And we're going to live intentionally here as long as God has us here. We're not going anywhere because we're bitter and angry unless God tells us to. This is where he's provided for us. So this is where we're going to stay, which means we need to grow. And I needed to grow in this situation and I needed to grow in forgiveness. And so the first thing I did was I put myself in their shoes, which who wants to do that when they're feeling like it's another unjust situation and they don't have a voice and things like that. But I did. I was like, you know what? After I was done throwing my temper tantrum, okay, if I were them and that was my house down there, that would have been a very difficult thing to say to somebody, especially because they have lived here for years now and we have built a really incredible relationship with that family. Like I said, we work really hard to build relationships in this neighborhood. I work very hard. I've been doing this for over 20 years. I work to build relationships with the people in my community that I live with. We do life together. We borrow things from one another. Somebody needs an egg. Somebody needs a t-shirt. Somebody, it doesn't matter if we have it, we give it. And it's a beautiful thing. And so I'm going, man, this, we call them neighbor family. And that was probably really difficult for them. And if I lived down there and that was my house and I had to share a fence line, I would probably want the same thing they're wanting. I would want something consistent to look good on my end too. And so I had to be really honest. I was like, you know what? If I were them, I would want the same thing. And I'd have a really hard time because now I'm risking relationship by setting a boundary giving myself a voice. That's not something I wanted to admit, but I had to. I was like, you know what, Lord, I'm not going to hold this against them. I'm not going to allow this situation to change the beautiful relationship that we've built with this family. And I'm just going to accept that what I thought I was going to do is not going to happen. And I'm going to create a new vision for my backyard and I'm just going to lay it down. It's not my will, Lord. It's your will and your way. And I could sit here and I could give myself a list of justifications and reasons why it's not fair and build a hatred against them and play nice and pretend like I'm fine. But I'm not willing to do that. If I'm not authentic in my heart, then I have no business calling myself a Christian. I really genuinely chose 
to surrender my desires and my will in order to love well. And I'll tell you, after working through that process and the emotions and the unjust feelings and all the other stuff and really yielding to the Holy Spirit and allowing God to work in my heart personally on this level, the freedom I feel is indescribable. Honestly, we can't even fathom what this looks like and feels like until we choose to let go and let the Holy Spirit have his way in us and through us. I am so filled with love for them. I'm, I'm genuinely not faking anything. Like I, I really just worked it out. And then I was out on a run. It was like maybe a week or two later. I had not physically seen them yet. I sent them a text. I said, you know what? I hear what you guys are saying. I understand where you're coming from. And I respect your decision. And I just left it there. And then I wrestled it all out. <laughs> and, um, and then I hadn't physically seen them or interacted with them. And I think it was maybe a week or two later. They were driving into the neighborhood. And I was on my run heading out. And at first I was like, oh gosh. And then I was like, no. No, I've released them. I'm good. And I smiled at them authentically. And I waved. And they waved back. But I could tell at first there was a little apprehension. They're like, oh. Oh, we're good. And then I saw their faces light up. You know, it's like that fast, right? It's like within those split seconds, you can see that. And honestly, their faces that lit up um, actually blessed me. It made me really happy. I was like, okay, we're good. We're good. And then, um, you know, this was a while ago. And then even just last, just last, yeah, just last week, I was up at the pool. I brought Colson and some of the neighborhood boys up and the neighbor husband was up there. He was up there with his little boy and his friend and his friend's two little boys. And we're just like naturally talking and engaging and he's introducing me to his friend and we're all talking. And then before he left, he comes and he sits on the, what, what is that thing called that you lay out oh, the lounge chair? Wow. I can't believe I forgot what it's called. He sits on the lounge chair next to me and, you know, he's talking a little bit and he gets up and leaves and he, he accidentally left his towel there. And I was like, wait, is that his, you know, so I'm texting his wife and him. I'm like, is this your towel? I think your husband left it here. And, um, his wife responded back. She goes, oh my gosh, yes, that's ours. You know? So I brought it back to them. You know, what's so funny about this? I forgot about the fence. I completely and totally forgot about the fence because I wasn't walking in a fence. Isn't that funny? Forgot about the fence because I wasn't walking in a fence. I was genuine. I, I didn't realize it until the Holy Spirit put this podcast message on my heart and reminded me of the fence situation. I was like, oh my gosh, see, that's freedom. I'm not sitting there harboring anything. I'm not sitting there filtering life through my pain and my frustration and you did this to me and you did that to me. And so I'm not withholding anything. I'm just freely loving to the point where I'm not even seeing through my pain anymore. I'm living on purpose. I'm loving these people with a pure and genuine heart and I'm free. I'm like, you know what? Honestly, like this is way better than getting my own way. I wish you could understand it and maybe you do. Maybe you totally understand what I'm talking about and you're like, yeah, amen, sister. I totally get it. Cause maybe the Holy spirit is highlighting situations for you where you're like, no, I've done that. I know what she's talking about. God's way is better. It really is. This is the last story that I want to share today. I know we've gone a lot longer than normal, but I really feel like I'm supposed to include all of this. So stay with me. Okay. I had a neighbor that I've done life with. Our kids are both this, our youngest are both the same age. They have been playing together since they were in diapers. And it was not too long ago that there was a major misunderstanding. I don't want to get into the details because again, that's just going to take too long, but there was a misunderstanding 
and I tried to talk through it with her, but it didn't matter. Anything I said was getting twisted. She was very angry, and she told me to stay away from her. She said, it's best for both of us if we just stay away from each other. She wanted nothing to do with me. She wanted nothing to do with my family. She wanted my kids to stay away. She didn't want our kids to play together anymore. She lives right in my neighborhood. And these kids, like, I mean, I'm sitting there going, well, how is that even possible? Like, what? Like, her child comes out and my child are going to be told to come in? Like, I'm not doing that. You know, what is this going to look like? Oh, my gosh, this is going to be so challenging. And I had tried. I tried every different direction to come at it to try to talk to her, but it didn't matter. She already had her wall built. I've had a lot of interactions with her and she does have a wall and she does cut people off very easily. And that's just kind of how she lives her life. And I don't hold her to my standard. She's not a Christian. We got to stop being shocked that the world acts like the world and stop putting the same expectations God puts on us, on other people. I called to honor God. I'm not expecting her who doesn't love God, who claims to be an atheist, to have the same moral standards as me, to have the same responses as me, and try to be a peacemaker. So she was cutting me off. She said, absolutely no way. And I said, look, I don't want to push up against your boundaries. I respect you enough to respect when you're asking me to stay away. I just want you to know that if I see your kids outside, if they're out in the neighborhood, if they knock on my door, anything, I want you to know that I'm going to continue to treat them with love and kindness because I genuinely love them. And her response back was, no, you don't. Stay away. So that was a hurtful situation, and I'm still trying to figure out how to navigate it. But again, like I said from the beginning, is we have to look for opportunities to shift these hard situations. I could sit here, I could get all her, and I could decide, well, that's her problem. I tried and cut her off, but I'm not cutting her off. I'm called to be a light, and I'm going to try to find a way in, but I'm not going to be pushy, and I'm not going to be disrespectful. And so I've just been in prayer. I'm like, Lord, I'm forgiving her. I don't hold her to your standards, but I'm holding myself to your standards, and I'm called to be a light. And honestly, in these kinds of situations, I don't see the unjust situation for me, and I don't see my pain, and I don't see my frustration. I don't even see the way she treated me. Honestly, she, for lack of a better word, I hope this comes out right, but I see her as my mission field. It only makes me want to love her more to draw her back in because I don't want to lose somebody to the enemy. I don't want to participate with his division. And I know that's exactly what he's trying to do. So interestingly enough, at my church, they it was Mother's Day and they had a bunch of extra chocolates and they were like, we got to give these away. They're just going to sit. And I said, you know, I've got a mom tribe in my neighborhood. Can I bring them home? And we were just making a list of all the moms that we could bless and how many boxes we would need. And I included her in that list. We left it on her front door and I sent her a text. I said, hey, there's a gift for you on the front patio, but it shouldn't be sitting out in the sun very long. I just wanted to let you know so that it doesn't sit out there. And she replied back. She goes, oh, well, we're out of town until Tuesday. And I said, oh my gosh, I'm so glad to know that. Let me go get it. It's a box of chocolates for Mother's Day for you. Happy Mother's Day. I'll bring it home and we'll get it over to you on Tuesday. And there was a pause. And then she's like, wow, thank you. Happy Mother's Day. 
Matthew 5, 43, 48, you have heard the law that says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say, love your enemies, pray for those who persecute you. In that way, you will be acting as true children of your father in heaven. If you love only those who love you, what reward is there for that? Even corrupt tax collectors do that much. If you are kind only to your friends, how are you different from anyone else? Even pagans do that, but you are to be perfect even as your father in heaven is perfect. Recently, I was going to take all the neighborhood kids up to the pool, and my natural responses include everybody in the group text. I had some hesitation. I was like, you know, I don't I don't want to make her feel like I'm pushing, but I also don't want to leave her children out because that's not fair. The kids have all been playing together since. Even her youngest went up to my kids and said, I want to be your friend. I don't I don't want to not play with you guys. I like playing with you guys, you know, so even the kids recognized very early on. And I knew it was going to be more challenging with the mom. But I thought, what do I do? And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to include her in this group text because that's what I would do naturally with anybody. And so I extended the invitation to her and she responded back that she was at work and to let her husband know. And again, it's just, it's been very slow. These are just a very few. There's been a few more situations where I've been able to kind of just like, hey, just so you know, no hard feelings. You don't owe me anything. I don't care if I ever get an apology from you. She's off my chopping block. I've already released her. I've already forgiven her. I am so thankful for the grace and the mercy and the forgiveness that Jesus already paid for for me. And that is what I'm called to extend to the people around me. And that's what I'm going to continue to walk in. Romans 12, 17 through 18 says, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone in the eyes of everyone. It doesn't say in the eyes of the people in your church community. It says in the eyes of everyone, if it is possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Guess what? As far as it depends on you, which means it will always depend on you, live at peace with everyone, which means we have to look for it. We have to be intentional and we have to find ways to shift these hard situations. I am so filled with a supernatural peace and a supernatural joy. And I can testify that it is truly far better to love than to hate to give than to take, to walk humbly thinking of others more than myself, and to live out my faith in a way that not only changes an entire neighborhood so we can live in peace, but I'm also taking back the ground from the enemy who desires division and turmoil and to make us ineffective for the kingdom of God. These last 10 years, I'm changed. I am so thankful for the uncomfortable. I am so thankful for all of these unfair, unjust scenarios to make me more like my father in heaven. Remember, that's the goal. This is how we go from glory to glory. God is way more interested in us becoming more like him than fixing every hard situation and removing every annoying neighbor or every boss that we can't stand or every coworker that rubs us wrong or the person in the parking lot, whatever it is. He's more interested in us becoming more like him than changing the hard and uncomfortable situation. Can I just give you a little truth bomb here? If you're comfortable, you're not growing. If you find yourself continually reacting on emotions to protect yourself in any situation, you are blocking yourself from learning what it means to live by the Spirit, and you're not going to change. You cannot live out your new nature to be like Christ and out of your old sinful nature simultaneously. You have to pick which one you're going to live from. And I'm telling you right now, living your way is putting you in a prison, blocking you from spiritual freedom. When we choose to give up our way for the greater purpose, not only can we accomplish the will of God here on earth, but great is our peace.
I want to close with this. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Mark 12, 30, 31. Thank you for joining me today. I'm believing the Holy Spirit met you powerfully through this week's episode of Not Just Talk. Now, for the real part. Let's take this conversation beyond talk and live it in our daily lives. Amen? Don't forget to check out my newly released book. I'm really excited. It's called Ripple Effect, a transformational journey into God's heart that will change you from the inside out. It's available now on your favorite online bookstore, Amazon, or you can order a signed copy direct through my website, jillianahonan.com. Also, did you know that we have a ministry app where you can receive direct notifications for everything we have going on beyond this weekly podcast? Just search Jillian Ahonan Ministries in your app store and download it for free. And please, I'd love to see your face on social media. Connect with me on my public Facebook page or on Instagram. I hang out there daily. Don't forget to subscribe and come back next week for another episode of Not Just Talk. Hugs and blessings, family.